Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, last week, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued a special report on climate change, desertification, land degradation, sustainable land management, food security and greenhouse glass gas fluxes in terrestrial ecosystems, which is, let me tell you, all a bit of a mouthful. But basically, it said that what we're doing to the land is of crucial importance if we're going to avert climate change which, given that human use affects about 70% of the ice-free land on the planet, shouldn't come as a surprise. Now, climate change, it says, will increasingly threaten food security and the nutritional content of food, and degraded soils, desertification and increased demand for food could only make things worse. However, the report also highlighted some win-wins, ways that we can change farming methods and the way that we use the land in ways that reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also increase food security and could help biodiversity too. Now, just down the road in Harpenden, Rothamsted Research is at the forefront of research into just these kinds of changes. Research to help us understand the problems of food production and greenhouse gas emissions more fully and to help us develop solutions that will really work. I spoke to Rothamsted PhD student Hannah McGrath, who joined me from a carrot field in Shropshire. Hannah, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So can you give us some of the ways in which farming and food production leads to the production of greenhouse gases? Of course. So one of the, the things about farming, particularly in the UK at the moment, is that it's very machinery intensive. So we have lots of um, tractors and combine harvesters which are driving around the countryside and in the process, they're releasing greenhouse gas emissions. So in the engines of these vehicles, they will be burning fossil fuels, and that in the process will release carbon dioxide and other um, greenhouse gases, and they can all um, contribute to the warming of our atmosphere. Okay, and I suppose that makes sense. We're thinking about the emissions from um, our own vehicles, our cars, and from lorries and things, and, and as you say, actually farm vehicles can be very large and presumably produce quite a lot of emissions, can't they? Yes, and so I think lots of farmers out there are looking for ways to economise, so reducing the amount of traffic that they're putting in their fields because it can have other negative side effects. So the large machinery can lead to um, compaction in our soils, which means it's very difficult for plants' roots to grow. So um, it's in the farmer's interest to reduce their emissions through transport as in the kind of wider environment's interest to reduce emissions as well. Okay, so that's one of the sort of win-wins that I'll, I'll come back to later. Now, the way that we produce our food is currently contributing to climate change, but kind of the other way around as well. Climate change is also affecting our food too. In what way is, is climate change already affecting um, food security? Well, I see kind of two big impacts from climate change on our food production. The first would be um, how the changing um, temperatures and also extreme weather conditions can affect our crops. So if you talk to a farmer in somewhere like Shropshire on a tidal plain, you'll find that quite often extreme weather conditions with heavy rainfall lead to their crops getting flooded. And with um, climate changing, we're getting a lot more of these extreme weather events that we can um, in part attribute to climate change, and that's probably reducing their crops. 
um, yields and that impacts on, you know, kind of food waste and we're not using the land as, as well as we um, would have liked to. And then the second way I see climate change impacting on our food production is in the future. So um, in the recent IPCC report, um, that, so that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and they're the ones who kind of led the authoring of the um, Paris Agreement. In this recent report that they've put out this week, they're talking about the future impacts. And so one interesting thing is um, I work a lot on insect tests, things like aphids, or you might have heard of them as greenfly, and they discuss how these problems could be um, exacerbated or made worse in the future um, as we, um, as the weather maybe supports different uh, warmer winters might allow these populations of insects to overwinter, and then we could kind of get um, gradual growth of these populations, which we don't want. Right, indeed. Now, the IPCC report that you referred to there, um, it suggests that there could be some win-wins, um, ways that we can reduce our carbon emissions from farming and also help other issues like food security or biodiversity at the same time. And it seems that the project that you're working on now is a great example. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Of course. So I am a Waitrose PhD student and I'm working with a carrot farmer called Ben. And in Ben's field, he has a problem from um, an aphid that we were talking about earlier. And so he's trying to look for sustainable ways to manage this aphid pest and get rid of it in his fields. And he's interested in using wildflower strips that we can put into the field and they can support insects we call natural enemies. And so these natural enemies might be um, ladybirds or they could be hoverflies. And they're insects that um, will go into the crop, so into his case, in a carrot field, and they will eat the aphid pest. And this means that we could maybe more sustainably farm without having to put as many pesticide inputs into those fields, as well as also supporting lots of pollinators like bumblebees and butterflies. Right, OK. And presumably less pesticides means less tractors going up and down spraying and also yes. the production of the pesticides themselves. Presumably that has some emissions too. Yes. And it's, it's a, one of those kind of um, big, um, uh, the sum of the parts. So each individual element adds up to the climate change or the greenhouse gas emissions from from that farming process so if we can reduce the number of times that they're going into a field to spray even by once if we can reduce one spray um, that is less emissions and if we add that up over the total area that we farm in the uk which is a, the uk farms around what well, the uk's land area is 71 percent agricultural so if we can reduce the amount of um, uh, tractor drives that we've got around there that could be one you know, significant step towards reducing our emissions. Okay. Um, and, and how's it going? Any signs of success? So I was in the field with Ben today, and we were looking at the wildflowers, and there were times where we couldn't really hear ourselves because of the noise of the bumblebees. Wow. Um, so we're finding you know, five times as many bumblebees in these wildflower strips that we've got in there um, than we are in the carrot crops. And this is just a preliminary finding. So my project will take four years, and we're halfway through. So... By the end of it, when we're publishing our results, we'll be, you know, really analysing the results and showing the massive increases that, that we can see in there today. So, yes, it's going well. Great. Well, that sounds like great work you're doing there, Hannah. Now, I was taking a look at the Rothamsted Science Strategy, and it talks about what it calls sustainable intensification. Now, this hints at being able to produce more food from less land, just, you know, therefore freeing up land for other things like, I don't know, perhaps rewilding, something that could help biodiversity. Is this possible, Hannah? So I definitely believe it is possible. Sustainable intensification does sound like one of those jargon science words that we hear banded around quite a lot. But what you've very well described there is that it's just about trying to get a little bit more from the land that we've already got. 
And so with something like I'm working on, by putting these strips of flowers into fields, what that means is we can support natural enemies that will go into the crop and reduce the food losses we've got from the aphid pest. Now that means that we can potentially offset the number of carrots lost to the aphid by putting these flowers in. And if we do this on a big enough scale and we are working with the farmers to make sure that we're offsetting what we're putting in, that is by definition sustainable intensification. So we're helping out the bumblebees and the butterflies and the pollinators that we really care about in a way that means that we can also farm and get a crop that will go into the UK supermarket um, and keep us all fed. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Hannah, thank you very much indeed for joining me. No worries. And I was speaking there to Hannah McGrath from Rothamsted Research. Now, of, of course, a very recent example of climate change already affecting food supplies is the current shortage of cauliflowers caused by heavy rainfall in June, which destroyed crops in Lincolnshire, and then alternative European supplies shriveling up in last month's heatwave. Now, another Rossenshead scientist working to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and who has in fact received a scholarship from the IPCC itself is Dr Adriana Torres-Ballesteros. Now, she's part of the Sustainable Agriculture Team and she focuses her research on the impact of microbial diversity and metabolic networks on soil productivity. I spoke to Adriana. Adriana, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Now, the IPCC report, it's loosely based on land use and at the heart of land use is the soil. So why is soil so important in the context of climate change? Uh, yeah, OK. Uh, in the soil life, microorganisms that regulate natural cycles of carbon, nitrogen and phosphorus. Uh, microbial communities are impacted by the way we use land and manage source of pollution and derived from human activities as farming. Some of these practices increase uh, greenhouse gas emissions, such as carbon dioxide and methane, that, as you know, are directly related to climate change. Uh, also, some uh, communities of microorganisms um, that are called methanogens produce some uh, substantial quantities of methane in soils, um, mainly in soils that are uh, in anaerobic conditions. So find the ways to mitigate and control those uh, greenhouse emissions from soils are one of the main goals that scientists are working on. Right. Okay, so, so potentially soils are quite a big source of um, greenhouse gas emissions, is that right? Yes. Right, okay then. So um, what should we be doing differently if the, with the soil if we want to make it part of the solution to climate change rather than a problem? Okay, first, as citizens, we should support scientific research and institutions to, that are working to find sustainable uh, farming options. For example, Rothamsted is comparing different ways of farming in a project called Farm Lab. What we do is measure greenhouse gases emissions on pollutants uh, from crops and livestock. And after collecting this data, we can have the evidence to design the best strategies to reduce the agriculture impact on climate change. All this data is available to the public at Rothamsted website, so we can act collectively to choose an eco-friendly way of farming.
Right. Okay. So, so actually, some of the things that we need to do, actually, we need to do more research about because yes. there's still a lot to be discovered there. Um, yeah. Okay, and, and you're doing work, as you say, with, with a, the farm lab where actually by measuring carefully uh, what, what's happening around a farm, hopefully you'll be able to get some good strategies there. Now, um, how could changes in soil practice help not just greenhouse gas emissions, but, but hopefully other issues too? Okay, yes. Uh, change in soil practices will help us to preserve water supply sources control plant and animal diseases, and uh, increase crop productivity. Also, we can improve uh, nutritional quality of food. Right, okay, so some quite big big wins there uh, uh, as well. Um, now, um, the benefit of um, research at Rothamsted is that, you know, it's not just felt in the UK, it's felt worldwide. Now, you've awarded a fellowship from the IPCC and from yeah. the Prince of Monaco Foundation to study how land use change influences microbial communities and greenhouse gas emissions in hydropower reservoirs in South America, in places like the Amazon. What's that about? What's the issue there? Okay, yes. Uh, the main energy source in South America are hydropower reservoirs. This is classified as a cleaner energy source, but those areas also emit greenhouse gases, mainly methane. Um, what we did was study microbiology related to those greenhouse gas emissions, and uh, so we could identify the drivers of uh, these methane emissions uh, in the areas designing for hydropower reservoirs. And what we found was that it's not just communities that produce methane, but there are also uh, communities that consume this methane. So we can work in uh, design a balance between the consumption and production of greenhouse gases to make uh, a clean energy source uh, using hydropower reservoirs. Oh, right, okay. And, and presumably these hydropower reservoirs are um, really quite big bodies of water. So yes. are they quite big sources of methane? Uh, yes, yeah, but uh, in some places there are also um, areas that are sink of greenhouse gases. So it just right. is not emission, but also a sink of right. Greenhouse gases. Okay, and, and again, because it's quite a big body of water, I presume it has the potential to, to um, be a, quite a big greenhouse gas sink as well. Well, that sounds like um, fascinating research you're doing there. Um, now, the other thing that's ha- happening in the Amazon um, is deforestation um, yeah. because of livestock. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it is affecting climate change? Yeah, so uh, the Amazon in South America serves as a buffer against climate change in a global scale. So that's why no matter from which country we are from, we need to protect those ecosystems. Uh, in Brazil, livestock industry are deforestating areas of the Amazon. This is a result of mismanagement of land use. After a time that uh, the land is uh, used for livestock, the productivity of the soil decreases due to the disruption of nutrient cycles. So instead of working on maintaining the productivity and return their nutrients to the soil, industries extend the area first and their cattle by deforesting new areas. So um, this activity influences um, the microbial activity in the soils and uh, 
increase the methane emissions. So we know we are not only uh, destroying the global buffer of climate change, but we also are creating another source uh, for greenhouse gases. Right. Okay. So really, quite 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 a serious problem, um, as yeah. you say. You know, on on more than than one basis as well, and and presumably producing less beef in, uh, I believe it is beef most of the time um, in areas like this has to be one of the solutions. Then. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, improved uh, the productivity that the areas that are designated already for the livestock is one of the uh, solutions for the for the problem. And I was talking there to Adriana Torres Ballesteros from Rothamsted Research, doing some fascinating research there, um, affecting places all around the world. Um, and do take a look on the Rothamsted Research website to find out a little bit more about some of the, the other research that they're doing. Um, right, well, I'm going to be back at the same time next week. Remember to follow me on social media. Um, so until then, thank you for listening. Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. <laughs>